This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to What's a Crime. I'm Linda, and today we're going to be talking about a 26-year-old man named Marshall Iwasa who has been missing for the last year. He's Canadian, and we all need your help. He was last seen by his mom on Sunday, November 17th, 2019. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. In a town named Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada, with a population of around 100,000 people. After that night, he just simply vanished without a trace. Police aren't treating it as criminal in nature, and family says that this is completely out of character for Marshall. The family is hoping that, with the public's help, that they can get Marshall's case investigated the way they feel it should. But before I get into it, if you'd like to be part of the It's a Crime community, please click that subscribe button below, hit that notification bell to all, make sure you're getting those notifications for when I upload, also with community posts, and when I go live. Please give this video a like and please share this out where you can. Now, let's get into it. This is Marshall Iwasa. He's 26 years old. He weighs 170 pounds, is 5 foot 11, and has brown eyes and brown shoulder-length curly hair. He usually has it tied back or in a man bun and also likes to wear a toque. He was last seen also wearing a mustache. He was wearing a green hoodie, a gray toque, red high-top shoes, and black pants. And he's described as a very likable guy, quiet but fun, a good guy all round, and a good person. He grew up in Lethbridge where he played high school football and was a member of the Lethbridge Fitness Club. He was well known to the gym community. And Marshall was living in Calgary, Alberta, Canada for the last year and a half up until his disappearance. Calgary is just two hours north of Lethbridge. 
He had been attending college the previous year in Calgary at the Southern Alberta Institute of Technology, also called SAIT. He was in software development. Also up until his disappearance, he had been working 800 hours on a game. Now on Sunday, November 17th, 2019, Marshall drove to Lethbridge, just two hours away. Marshall was born and raised there, as I mentioned. He stopped to see his mom that evening, had a visit, and around 11 p.m., he left her house. He then planned on going to a storage unit that he rented with his sister, Paige. Now, reports say that the storage unit was located on the north side industrial area of Lethbridge between Sharing and Churchill Industrial Park. When I look at Google Maps, there is a storage unit business that would coincide with a description, something of interest and just something that I've noted. It is just north of a Walmart. Seems to be that there's always a Walmart in these stories. And a closer look, you can see just how quiet an area it would be on that street. Now, Marshall drove a dark blue 2009 GMC Sierra with the license plate BLL1099. And reports say that it is about 15 to 20 minutes of a drive away from Marshall's mom's house. Now, that would put him around the 11.15 to 11.20 p.m. mark when he arrived at the storage unit. When Marshall got there, however, it was closed and locked. The storage unit was closed until 6 a.m. the next morning. Now to get into that property, you need a key code, which Marshall did try, but was unsuccessful. It wouldn't open since it was closed for the night. And there were several attempts of the key code to get in. The code was tried a few more times throughout the night, and then by 6 a.m. when it opened, we believe that Marshall gets into the unit. He stays there for about two and a half hours at the storage unit and then leaves at around 8.24 a.m. according to that key code. And this is the last hint of the actual whereabouts of Marshall. And unfortunately, the surveillance of that storage unit only saves footage for seven days. So there isn't video of Marshall that night or of that early morning. His family says that Marshall was looking for something that had to do with his computer in the storage unit. He needed to send a part away uh, for his computer because it was broken. And already I have a few questions. Was Marshall planning a quick trip to the storage unit that night and then turn around and head back to Calgary? And that would put him at around 1, 1.30 in the morning by the time he got back there. Did he have plans to go somewhere else? Why did he stay two and a half hours at that storage unit? Was it hard for him to find that piece that he was looking for? Was it that he was tired from waiting all night, maybe not getting enough sleep, and he had a quick nap in there? Also, I'd be curious if he actually contacted anyone that night or if he saw somebody or was hanging out with somebody. And finally, if he was at that storage unit all night, did he eat or grab something for breakfast around that area? I know at that Walmart, there is a McDonald's and there is a Tim Hortons. Many Americans are gonna say, what the heck is Tim Hortons? And it's, a, it's very much like McDonald's, only they have Tim Hortons coffee and donuts and people go crazy. Now the family thought that Marshall was going to go back to Calgary. They thought that he was going to school, but later they found out that Marshall actually didn't enroll in school for that semester. 
He had hinted to it in the summertime to his sister, but he kind of avoided the question is what she said. And he just kind of said for the things that I know you don't necessarily have to go to school for. So I found that interesting. Now, Sate, the school, never provided any information about Marshall to the family, even though Paige, Marshall's sister, was listed as the emergency contact. Then on Saturday, November 23rd, 2019, just five days later, Marshall's GMC Sierra truck was found by hikers on a forest service road completely burned, torched, and it was found around 14 hours away in a different province in a place just north of Pemberton, British Columbia, Canada, and no signs of Marshall. One of the hikers that found his truck says, at the trailhead, we came across a pickup truck that had been completely torched, but it looked like it had been torched, you know, extremely aggressively. He says, I mean, the glass was melted and the wheels had been blown off like it was completely destroyed. The truck has never been protected as a crime scene and is still there from my understanding. Something to note, Marshall's truck was actually paid two months prior in September in full and he didn't have fire insurance on the truck. Now, there were items thrown all over the outside of the truck, and I'll get to that more in a moment. The hiker who found the truck also went on to say it looked as if someone was trying to dispose of evidence. He said, but then again, it didn't really make a lot of sense because you think, okay, if you're trying to get rid of evidence, why wouldn't you just burn it all in the truck rather than cast it all around the area? Now, police called it suspicious, but didn't rule it as criminal. And I know in May of this year, they did a search with cadaver dogs and helicopters, and there were no signs of Marshall. And also in the summertime, Paige and her family went out to this location as well to look for any evidence of Marshall and also to take a look at this truck. And also in June, private investigators found that the truck was ruled as arson and they ruled out any mechanical or electrical failure. So let's go back to where the truck was found and talk about the route to get there. There are three possible routes to go from Lethbridge to Pemberton, two through Canada and one through the United States. If Marshall went back to Calgary and he was the one driving, then it would make sense to go on that upper way on the map. It's also the quickest way. The second choice would be, to me, the middle route, and last would be the third, in my opinion. You'd have to go through the borders. I've driven both the top two roads, and the most one actually I've done is the top one numerous times. And something to note is that the weather and the conditions in November can be pretty brutal. You have to look out for avalanche warnings, blowing snow, heavy snow, icy conditions. It can get really bad. So I do wonder if Marshall had the snow tires to go on that trip as well. Now, there's a couple more interesting things to take note on this point. There isn't one surveillance camera of Marshall's truck gassing up. But I don't know just how many gas stations were asked. In one report, I saw that Pemberton uh, checked four gas stations. My interest would lie first, of course, in Lethbridge or Calgary before taking that long trip. Now, I did do a little map on the fuel needed for the trip using Marshall's 2009 GMC Sierra, and he would need about three tanks of gas to get there. So the question is, where the heck did that vehicle gas up? 
And was it Marshall that drove there? And did he first go to his house in Calgary or did he drive straight from Lethbridge? And if you think about it, he went to that storage unit in Lethbridge shortly after 11 p.m. He had to wait all night with not much sleep and then left at 8.30 in the morning. If he drove to Pemberton and north of Pemberton, he's looking at a very, very long trip ahead of him. Not to mention how many pit stops he would need. And one has to eat and drink, and yet no sign of either. Very, very odd. Now this location where his truck was found was north of Pemberton. It's in the mountains and it was found at the end of a service road, a dead end, near a place called Brian Waddington Hut Approach Trail, which is about 18 to 20 kilometers from the main road. And for Americans, that's 11 miles in and around there. And 13 kilometers of it is on a gravel road or eight miles. And then there's another five to six kilometers around three miles is up a logging road that requires four-wheel drive. Now directions to get to that location is not accessible by Google Maps or GPS, and the family does not believe that Marshall knew of this location beforehand. There was a construction worker working in the area months after that Marshall disappeared, and he wondered how the heck Marshall got there, or how he knew to go to this remote location. How would somebody from Alberta know where this trail was? And it grown in like that to drive it way up here. Like it was bad before. Throw it all over the place. Yeah. That's what I heard. That's what the cops told me. The stuff was yeah, so all screwing around. How did he know how to get up if he didn't? I don't think he came. He's from Lethbridge. We have. That's what we were trying to figure out. He didn't know how to get here. So somebody brought his truck. So he's not here. Now, at the scene of the truck were items belonging to Marshall and items that have been identified as not belonging to Marshall, as per the family. There were three old cell phones of his that were found, which is not unusual, as his sister said he kept them in the truck. They hadn't been used though, and a smashed old laptop was also there which hadn't been used in a few years. There was also an Xbox and a PlayStation as well, but his sister said that he had his Xbox and PlayStation still in his basement suite in Calgary. And so the family aren't sure if the ones that were found on scene were his, and the police hadn't confirmed if they were or not. Also found on scene were his passports. One was expired and one was valid. His sister Paige said that he kept those in the glove box and she saw them in the summertime, that he had them in the glove box and she actually said, hey, you probably shouldn't keep them in there. Also found were toiletry bags and clothing and the family said that maybe Marshall had gotten a job as he has previous work history in oil and gas, uh, construction, working on power lines, those types of jobs. So maybe they thought he went out of town for a job. They also wanted to know if anybody works in that similar field to please ask their supervisor if Marshall had applied or was hired and did not show up. That's something they'd like to know. What was interesting is the hikers that found the truck took pictures when they found it and a couple of days later when police arrived the items had been moved around. There were also items that weren't belonging to Marshall. They said that they're not able to talk about it. Uh, family members and close friends said that these were not his. 
but unfortunately both the Pemberton RCMP and Lethbridge Police have not investigated the items found at the scene and were not looking into confirming the owner of these items. Now the question is well what was missing besides Marshall? His most recent Samsung Galaxy S6 cell phone was missing, a mountain hardware scrambler backpack, his SATE issued Samsung laptop, and his wallet. And here's something that's very notable and very bizarre. His steering column was missing from his truck. And that's what has me perplexed. The police is coming to the family saying that, well, maybe this was a suicide mission. Maybe something was wrong with Marshall and he wanted to harm himself. But what's odd here is if it was suicide, why would Marshall go to get a part at a storage unit, send it off or wanting to send it off, drive over 14 hours away to a place that's unknown or unfamiliar to him, burn his truck that he just paid for two months before, and remove the steering column? Also, why would he then take his cell phone, wallet, laptop, and his backpack only to end his life? Furthermore, where's Marshall? And if he did commit suicide, where's his body? As for testing, the police said all evidence is being retained for potential DNA testing. The evidence cannot be DNA tested by the RCMP crime lab unless officers have reasonable grounds to believe a DNA designated criminal offense has been committed. At this time, no such evidence or grounds exist. And side note too, when it comes back to that steering column, it makes me wonder, did Marshall's truck get stolen? and either something happened to Marshall or he was stranded somewhere and that vehicle was taken to that service road, burned and then left, and the steering column gone because maybe perhaps there would be some indicators that the, the truck was actually stolen. I know in my research that GMC Sierras are one of the top vehicles or top five in Canada to be stolen and they talk about how they would take the steering column or crack the steering column. So I wonder if that's something that they would have pulled. Just a thought, I'm not a mechanic. <laughs> now there was a search in May with cadaver dogs and helicopters and there was no sign of Marshall, like I mentioned. There was also a four by four group called Four Low BC that helped in the search with the family and they are also mechanics. And they were surprised to see some weird items around the truck that didn't appear to belong. They said there were bolt cutters, like scrapper material, like stuff you'd see scrappers, like wire and bolts, strippers, razor knives and stuff like that. And the family said that he wouldn't have those types of materials in his truck. The group also believes that whoever drove the vehicle to the spot would have been familiar with the site and also comfortable with bumpy back road driving. They said it was driven there quite deliberately. That's how it appeared. You know that was the very end of that trail. There was literally no further that you could go in that vehicle. So someone took it out there to the absolute end of the path and set it on fire. And so if that vehicle was stolen then there would have to be another vehicle that would have followed in so that they can get back out. So just very interesting. I will have a link to Four Low BC's video. It was really interesting to watch. You could see the type of terrain and I think it's something you guys really like. I'll put that in a link below.
And when I was doing the research on this case, I saw that many hikers actually go to this area. And even in November, there's a place called Brian Waddington Hut that is a shelter for these hikers. And what they do is they register online and then they go hiking out there. And it's a shelter, my understanding, no beds or anything like that. But I do wonder how many people were there that week that were registered. They also have rock slides out there that happen and there's avalanche warnings, there's all kinds of things. So there's, um, there's barriers and you have to be careful out there. There's also grizzly bears. Now, I do wonder if those people that were there that week were questioned. Did they come across Marshall and talk to him? Was there another vehicle with his? That kind of thing. And the family doesn't believe that Marshall was ever up there. And I'm questioning that as well. The family says he never goes hiking without a buddy. Again, I'm wondering about these people that registered if they knew him or saw him. But perhaps Marshall did go on a trip. It's just that wasn't his destination and something happened prior to that. And the biggest thing that gets me is why burn that truck and then take the steering column? Very weird. When I went back to the potential routes that traveled, one thing that I did think of was, uh, I know there is a well-known school in Kelowna, British Columbia, that is a digital art school. And I know Marshall worked 800 hours on a game, so I thought, oh, maybe he was going there to show some work, he had his laptop, who knows. The tough thing about Marshall's story though, is until the authorities look at this from a criminal point of view, there won't be information on Marshall's last pings and things like that. Canadian law is very different or a lot different in many ways than American. And it's hard to find information as well. Now the family has a petition going to have this looked at in a criminal manner. And I'm going to put that in the description below if you'd like to sign it. I know that would really, really help the family and I believe there's about 1,500 or so, maybe 1,000 to go to get that signed. There is also a GoFundMe to pay for private investigators and that kind of thing. I'll also put that in the description below. Now, in a statement from the Lethbridge Police, they said that they can assure that this investigation will remain open and ongoing until he is located. They said a thorough and comprehensive investigation has been undertaken and any and all new evidence or information that comes to light in future will continue to be vigorously pursued. From the onset of the missing person investigation, Awasa's disappearance has been considered suspicious. However, as previously stated, there is no credible, corroborated or compelling evidence to suggest foul play or that the manner is criminal in nature. Police added that they've not shared all information and evidence connected to the case publicly nor with the Awasa family in order to protect the integrity of the ongoing investigation. The Lethbridge Police is aware of an online petition initiated by the Awasa family to have the missing person case reclassified as criminal. However, in order for investigation to be deemed criminal, there must be evidence to support that a crime has occurred. With respect to the Awasa investigation, there is no such evidence and the matter cannot be reclassified at this time. Let's have a chit chat below. What are your thoughts on this? This is something that's very bizarre. And one of the things that I am looking into was there was a number of um, people found killed in the area within a six kind of six hour drive, but it was in a similar area. And one of the cases, there was a burned out truck 
on a forest service road. So I am taking a look at that. Stay tuned. If you'd like for me to cover more cases or Canadian cases, or you have some ideas that you would like me to cover or start to introduce on the channel, I'm very open to your suggestions. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. Please like and please share. Thank you so much for watching. See you soon.